Welcome to the Screamcast, episode 141. I am Sean DeRager, and with me is Brent Henderson. Hey, Sean, what's up? Also joining us back for round two, Stephanie Crawford. What's up? Ahoy, ahoy. What's up? Welcome back to the Screamcast. Thank you. I'm really happy to be back. And joining us uh, for What's on Our Doorstep and the news, Josh Obershaw. What's up, man? Hey, surprise. <laughs> How's it going? This wasn't a surprise. I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> well, it's a surprise to anybody who's listening to this. I'm pretty sure nobody was expecting me to, to be here this early. It's funny you think people are listening. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, let me open up my uh, vanilla Coke Zero. Oh, that's that will be going good. extinct. I'm so relieved I can still find it. Every time I, I go to the grocery store, I'm like, are they still going to be here? I act like a ridiculous hoarder whenever I go to the store. I'm grabbing like <laughs> three to five. 12 packs or a few 24 packs whenever I can, can whatever I can muster. I'm grabbing as much as I can. I'm not going to be the one to judge you for that. So hell no. I like, I like the Coke zero cherry. Those are pretty good. I'm yeah. actually drinking one. Are I we all drinking Coke are. zero right now? Unfortunately, so. no, no. Oh, I'm okay. I'm stuck with Gatorade tonight. <laughs> I got I to stock up on Friday. I buy the vanilla or the cherry one because I know nobody else will touch it. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. but pretty soon it's going to be Coke. Uh, zero sugar, and they changed the recipe. The recipe? Recipe. The recipe. There's no. There is no difference at all. I can attest to that. Okay. All right. So the human recipe. <laughs> Dad jokes. Stop it now. Just all right. stop. All right, here we Stop. go. So today we have uh, uh, BJ's unable to join us today. She will be back next time. Um, we are going to be after our what's on the what's on your doorstep segment. Going to be diving in to five Paul Nashy flicks that uh, you can find out now uh, at the Paul Nashy collection on Scream uh, Scream Factory. So we'll be talking about that in just a little bit. But first, let's just uh, figure out what's on our doorstep. Holy cow! I almost forgot. We'll get the door. Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't why don't somebody else go first? I don't want to go. <laughs> Let Stephanie go first. Jeez. Okay. There you go. Well, like a lot of <laughs> good people out there, I um, did the Arrow sale, and then I did the Kino sale. I may have gone back to doing another one for so. Oh man. I kind of like to uh, watch things as they come in, so it doesn't get like all piled up. Um, so. <laughs> I with Kino, they're really great with Vincent Price. Um, so I went ahead and made sure I got things like the Crimson Cult and you know the great classics like uh, Doctor Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine, Ooh. which I think is everyone's favorite, right? I don't think hey? I've seen is that. that. Is that an old Baba what? movie? You know what? The sequel is the Doctor Goldfoot and the Girl Bombs is the Baba. Oh, okay, that's the Baba film. Okay, which I also got, of course. Yeah, yeah. Those, those movies are a lot of fun. They're a lot of fun, but man, it, it the Baba one is rough to watch because I'm like, oh, I'm gonna see his uh, take on these like goofy '60s comedies, and it was terrible. It was really, really terrible. 
And I love yeah, the first I've one. Seen them. I haven't seen them forever. The first one's okay, right? Yeah, it's really cute. Frankie yeah. Avalon, everything, but um yeah, and recently I watched The Exterminator from nice. Arrow. Nice and bleak, but I guess it's kind of the a good time for bleak. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I totally. think that movie is super important right now. Like, especially kind of the route we're going, you know, I think it's, uh, I think there could be a resurgence with Exterminator. Yeah. But... <laughs> oh, no, I'm not going to get depressed about it. And I also <laughs> watched uh, Pit Stop, which is wonderful. And I'd always go around saying I'm a Jack Hill fan, but I was saying that without saying Pit Stop. <laughs> But it's fantastic. Sid Haig is so young in it. It's just this gorgeous black and white, uh, you know, film <laughs> car crashes. It, it is amazing. So I've um, had a lot of fun when these labels do their sales. I can check out things that I hadn't gotten around to. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Any, anything else? Um. No, that'll probably do it for right now. Oh, Crimes of Passion. Ooh. Finally saw oh. Crimes of Passion. I've been waiting to hear your thoughts it. about this one. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. I wasn't expecting to be so emotionally connected to it. Because, you know, it's a little batshit and it's just gorgeous. But um, the yeah, performance is kind of. Yeah. <laughs> no, the performance is really caught me off guard. I highly recommend it. It was fantastic. Yeah, I think we we talked about that before. We all kind of dug it. Yeah, yeah. I, I look at more like a kind of a stage play, though. Yes, there were yeah. so many scenes. I'm like, this is a play, exactly. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yep. So I think it took me out of it a tiny bit, but I still I still enjoyed it. I like how sleazy and you know wet it was, but <laughs> you know, I like wet movies. I'm Perfect. sorry. Yeah. All right, uh, and with that, Josh. <clears throat> Josh. What's uh, what's arrived on your doorstep lately, good sir? Uh, surprisingly, a ton of shit that I failed to make any time to get through. I got, <laughs> I, I I barely hit the the, the um, tip of the iceberg. But um, you know what? Actually, this first one I want to talk about. This is a first time watch for me, which might sound very very surprising considering the band that got their name from this movie is one of my favorite groups of all time. And it's Mario Bava's Black Sabbath, which uh, you, Stephanie, I know you told me to just outright buy. So that's exactly what I did. Was I wrong? (laughs) You were not wrong. Now, um, the version that I ended up paying for was the uh, the English language version, which uh, is by Kino. This was also my first Kino Lorber Blu-ray that I ever bought, by the way. And I, I really dug it. I mean, it. I mean, this thing just looked absolutely gorgeous. Of course, I love the stories. They're all zany in their own right. And um, I kind of want to see. I kind of want to see the Italian version because I know that there was two separate versions, and the three vignettes are in uh, a completely different order, which I'm very, very curious to find out. I'm, I'm wondering because the other version is put out by Kino here in the States, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm wondering, wow, how come they weren't put together? Which is... 
might have been a rights issue, or, or I guess, or something. I'm trying to figure out like which one that I have. It ends with the uh, uh, the English language version starts with the uh, the woman who is stealing jewelry from this dead woman, and um, shit goes down, and she pays for it dearly. That's the one it starts with. The Italian version ends with that. Yeah, with that vignette. So the uh, the Italian version starts with the telephone. Yeah, I have the Kino one too. So, and this isn't the and and this isn't the first time that I've been, pretty much been bullied on Twitter to just outright buy a Baba picture. <laughs> well, it's uh, Baba. You just gotta buy Baba. Uh, the first one was, huh? <laughs> it's Baba, man. You just if you can get it, grab a Baba flick. I know. I'm I'm a little. I want to say I'm a little unfamiliar with Baba, but the truth is I'm not. I've seen quite a few of these. Uh, I didn't think much of uh, Hatch, uh, Hatchet for a Honeymoon, but stuff like Planet of the, Vamp- Planet of the Vampires I really, really liked. Yeah. And um, I really want to get more. I think the next one, I- I've already seen it, but the DVD was really, really crummy, but it's uh, Bay of Blood, a.k.a. Twitch of the Death Third. That's the next one I'm going to get. And I'm buying the Arrow version of that one because it's because it's region-free. And um, and it doesn't cost a whole lot. There you go. Yeah, it's so. a nice release. Oh, you have that one? Yeah. You'll oh. be happy with it. <clears throat> oh, that's really good. Uh, next up, this one is actually a rewatch, and it was inspired by our friends over at the Splat House. They had their season finale, and they talked about pieces. And I had been wanting the Grindhouse Blu-ray for a long time, so I just said, fuck it, I'm buying it. So I did it. And I got it, and I watched it again, and boy, this Blu-ray looks, this film looks better than it has any right to. I mean, it is a disgusting, vile piece of shit, and I fucking love it for it. (laughs) But the thing that I noticed the second time around watching this movie, I found my enjoyment a little bit, not much, but it was just a little bit muted. And I think the reason why is this film is definitely an audience picture. This is a movie that deserves to be, deserves to be fully enjoyed being surrounded by people who love it as, as much as you do. Because otherwise, you know, watching it by yourself doesn't really have the same effect. I think the first time I watched it, I was so caught up in, holy shit, I can't believe what I'm seeing that that didn't even cross my mind. And the second time, I, I just really wanted to turn my attention to somebody for a second. Go, holy shit! Can you can you believe this? And there's nobody there. I mean, all I got is the dog just looking at me, going, "What the fuck's wrong with you?" <laughs> so I think the next time I'm gonna, the next time I watch pieces, I gotta have I gotta have people over to you know and have a few drinks. It's one of those type of movies. And uh, the Blu-ray set is really good. I watched the. Uh, the documentary that's on a 42nd Street Memories, that one is excellent. I mean, it's a lot of talking heads, but the stories are just great. It's a great little history lesson about that one stretch of street in New York City that was the home to all of these grindhouse theaters, porno theaters, the you know the whole scuzziness of the whole thing. I'm just continually fascinated by by that period of time in that part of New York City, especially that one spot. So uh, this Blu-ray was definitely well worth it. The, the Spanish version of Pieces, 
I didn't like it as much. It felt to me like this was wannabe giallo. You know what I mean? It, it, it felt like it was trying really, really hard to be giallo because the music just completely changes the whole nature of the picture for me. It was a totally different kind of movie. Whereas with Pieces, it's just a gross, gory slasher. It, and it knows it's a gross, gory slasher, but it doesn't care. It loves being what it is. I feel like the Spanish version is trying a little hard to be something else. Hmm. I haven't got around to my Pieces Blu-ray yet, unfortunately. I do highly recommend If you have, I mean, if you love Pieces and you still haven't gotten this, get it. Because it is worth every single penny. But Josh, did you get the puzzle? Because that will, that'll, you know, that, because if you don't have the puzzle, I don't know if it's worth as much. So. I did not get the puzzle. <laughs> you might as well send your copy to me now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you might as well just get, get, give it away. Very nice. But, um, yeah, but I'm not concerned with that. I mean, that's not a big deal to me. Uh, not as much as it used to be. I mean, I used to I used to be one of those guys, but I pretty much let it go because, you know, yeah. it's, it's it's all about the fucking movie, Sean. I know. I, I know. I know. All right. <laughs> Anything else before right. we uh, move along? Uh, I saw House of Wax, which was on Turner Classic Movies. This is the original House of Wax with Vincent Price. I know it was like a big 3D movie back in the 50s, but... It doesn't necessarily, you don't necessarily have to watch it in 3D to enjoy it because this movie looks so damn good and the the colors just pop and it's, the settings are just beautiful and, and Vincent Price is just awesome. And Charles Bronson's in this movie. He plays one of, uh, he plays one of Vincent Price's uh, assistants and damn was he built in this movie. I mean, just look at his arms. They're, they're just like chiseled in rock. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I couldn't. I didn't even recognize Charles Bronson at first, and but it's a it's a really great movie. I mean, if you haven't seen the original House of Wax, I love it. I've never seen. I've never seen the remake because I'd never seen the original movie, and I didn't want to see the remake until I saw the original movie. I, now that is one thing that I'm kind of weird with. Understandable. Well, before you watch the remake of House of Wax, watch the original Tourist Trap. Because House, yes. of, House of Wax remakes more of a tourist trap remake than House of Wax. That All is they did I is heard. they just replaced the animatronics with wax. That's it's pretty much the same fucking movie. It's hilarious. It's really it's like the remake of House of Wax, pseudo remake of House of Wax, remax of Tourist Trap is really fucking good though. I've oh, always yeah. really, really enjoyed it oh, immensely. Man. Yeah, totally fan. Yeah. I want to say I've seen Tourist Trap when I was a kid, but um, if so, I don't remember anything about it. I need to, to, to look up that one and see it again. Yeah, Tourist Trap's really good. Mm-hmm. Nice. All right. Uh, I did watch – well, I watched The Lost Boys as part of the uh, <laughs> the PJ Party Massacre with the girl gang. And first time I did it, and I still love that movie. And oh, yeah. What else – what the fuck else can you say about the Lost Boys? I mean, it's a little bit personal for me because I used to live in Santa Cruz, but that's a whole different thing, but it's good. <laughs> the last thing I saw, it was kind of a, a rewatch, but not really because I only saw the first 10 minutes of it when my dad rented it when I was eight years old, and that's Ninja 3 Domination. Yes. 
absolute insanity. Did you watch it with a V8? <laughs> no, I didn't. Oh. You should have poured V8 on yourself and watched it. It's a lot better that way. It's the only true it's way. It's one of the and best. I haven't thought about, I haven't thought about that movie in, in, in a while. You remember like that whole weird shit with when we tried to get um, – um shit i just lost uh lost my train of thought who's the who's the girl in that it's um she was in electric boogaloo lucinda dickey yeah Yeah. oh yeah and and the like she's married to some like bodybuilder or like some like sponsor of a bodybuilder and these like bodybuilders contacted me why do i want to talk to her (laughs) holy shit shit was super fucking weird we never actually got an interview with her but Hey bro, why you want to? The story behind it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> that is hilarious. Wow. But I don't know. Just revisiting this one. Well, sort of revisiting. I mean, I, I need more. I need more canon because canon was a big deal to me when I was a yeah. kid. I mean, I love that documentary. Um, I haven't got around to watching it yet, but I got Cobra in the mail. But I'll get to that at a later point. Like I said, I got a lot of stuff that I didn't get to. Oh man, I have a I have an entire room with stacks of yeah. movies that I need to get to. So, I mean, I've waited a long time for a moment like this. We're getting a whole bunch of stuff, and now <laughs> I'm complaining that I I haven't watched any of this shit yet. Uh, but whatever. Oh, maybe I'll just, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I know, I'm, oh well, I, maybe I'll just have to do a part two of this. Yeah. I used to be able to keep up with every single thing that I would buy, like you, Stephanie. Um, but then marriage and children happened. <laughs> I just sadly put the, the movie on the pile, the to-watch pile, and uh, cry. Okay. I'll just <laughs> shut my entitled single ass up. <laughs> got your blessings, everybody. <laughs> and that's all I got. That's nice. all I got for now. All right. Um, I have a couple things, and then I'm sure Brad has like 50. So Funny. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, all right. Uh, the first thing I got is I finally got around to watching Ouija Origin of Evil. And uh, I really. Is that, the, is that the first one? Second one. No, it's a sequel. Oh, the, the Mike Flanagan directed sequel. And I really, I really dug it. Like, I, I really liked it. Like, it was kind of exactly what I was hoping it would be when I, when I popped it in. Like, my only criticism would be, like, this whole thing where they digitally, like, stretch people's mouths. Like, I hate that effect. And that happens a few times in this. But I, I dug it. It was, uh, you know, it was a creepy. It's something that I can, you know, watch with my daughter probably and she'd get, she'd, uh, get a kick out of it. And, you know, Mike Flanagan, like, he's a good director. Like, I'm still waiting for him to really, uh, either get the script or the budget. You know, because I think he has a he has a lot of style, and he has a, he's very competent horror director. But I think with the right the right pieces are eventually going to come together, and I think he's going to give us something really special. But um, but yeah, it's a, it's a really good sequel. I mean, I'm hearing the new Annabelle is kind of like a these you know better than the first kind of sequel. So um, if if, if Annabelle is anything like this, I would give it a shot. You know, the second one, but. Uh, but you know, I thought it was, I thought it was fun. If you if you are curious about it, and you would uh, it would be a solid rental. Like, I would never. That shit put me to fucking sleep. Really? 
Really? I liked. I mean, I, I dug it. I really. Uh, I can't honestly, dude. I can't remember one thing about the original Ouija film, and I, I watched it the, twice. I never saw the original, so. And um, I've seen the second one, I think, twice, and all I can remember is like some kind of trick with the curtains and them sitting at some table, like tricking people out. Well, no, honestly, I don't. I don't. Like I don't remember. I think you just fell asleep and never watched it again. Oh no, no, I've seen it. It's just really boring. <laughs> I I dug it, man. Like the daughter is genuinely gets creepy and she says a few things in the film that are like, you know, like definitely gave me some goosebumps because a kid shouldn't be saying things like that. I can't remember the quote, but um but she, you know, um yeah, I I don't know. I dug the hell out of it. So So, so I never saw the first one. Would I be able to watch this one without oh, yeah. seeing the first one? Oh yeah, I I haven't seen the first one either. That was the oh, thing okay. that that was the thing that kept me from uh from checking it out at the library today. Yes, you can actually find Ouija or Evil <laughs> at your local library if you look. But yeah, I mean, I heard bad things about the first movie, but I really but I heard good things about the second one. But I still didn't pick it up. Yeah, so. I mean, I would say give it a shot if you find it at the library or so or, or rental Redbox rental if it ever is on and on Netflix. Like, I would say you, you know. You can you'd have a good time with it, um, and it, he does one weird thing though, like because it takes place in the seventies, and he does this thing where he has that little uh, real change dot that kind of shows up, you know, if you're watching something projected, and he like he does that in the in the film for each quote unquote real, and that that's like so unnecessary. <laughs> it almost took huh. me out of the film. It doesn't feel authentic. <laughs> like, yeah, with was, all this digital shit. Yeah, there's some like there's like CGI, and it's like, dude, you're not. I mean, just huh. leave that crap out of it and just make a competent film. Like, I don't know who thought that was a good idea. So, like, my only criticisms criticisms would be a few little things like that. Otherwise, you know, um, like I said, I'm I'm totally gonna watch this with, with my daughter. She wants to watch kind of. She's trying to get into horror and there's, you know, I'll watch things first and then I'll kind of jot down all right things that I'll watch with her. And uh, this is definitely on that list. Yeah. You know, I, I really loved Absentia and I, I, I enjoyed Oculus, but everything else this dude has done, like Before I Wake was obviously terrible because it's still not released in America. <laughs> uh, um. You know, there was uh fucking we won't even talk about Ouija. We already did that. And then fucking Hush. God damn. I fucking hated Hush so much. A lot of people liked Hush, though. I haven't watched it yet. I'm going to. I'm gonna yeah, to that's because it. a lot of people are easily entertained. <laughs> wow. wow. Now we're yeah. going to get a negative comment. Brad is a pretentious fuck. That's going to happen. <laughs> All right. Um, I, 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 is, hey, this is equivalent to Deepwater Horizon to me. <laughs> and I fucking hate that movie. I thought it was good. All right, whatever. All right, moving along. I watched the new Undisputed movie starring Scott Atkins. Boyka! Undisputed 4. And it was awesome. Any fans of the Undisputed Cricket. series here? <laughs> I never um, even heard of Cricket the Undisputed noise. Holy shit. Undisputed... I've- I've never watched the Undisputed movies, like one and two, but I've watched uh, the part where Scott Atkins well, is in three. three. Yeah. Well, he's in two. And then, he's the villain in two. He's Boyka uh, in two. He's the villain. I, I didn't watch that, but I did watch four. Two is pretty – you could actually start at two and be just fine. The first one's okay. first one's kind of sucks, but 
Undisputed 2, 3, and then now 4, like, you're, you have a solid prison fight movies, uh, trio there to watch. And Scott Adkins as, as Boyka, like, I love this character. Uh, he's, it's just a straight up badass. I think it's, it's the most badass that I've seen Scott Adkins, cause he'll, when he, normally when he stars in a movie, he's kind of plays this more of a soft spoken, like, uh, guy that, but he can kick some ass. Like this, he's straight up, like, he's, he's playing this Russian, murderer basically who's been in life in prison and and gets caught up in this underground prison fighting ring um this one it starts out he's spoiler for undisputed three he gets out of jail <laughs> so this one finds him he's in an he's in this underground kickboxing uh thing he's found religion and he uh he ends up killing one of his opponents on accident and it kind of he has some faith you know torture it kind of tortures his faith and a little bit and uh he wants to track down this guy that he killed his wife who's in Russia so he has to smuggle himself into Russia wants to find the wife to kind of make amends or try to help her and he gets caught up in some Russian mafia shit that's all that's all I'll say about it but um but I like this one a lot because I if, with me and my background of course anything that has like uh, people wrestling with their faith or whatever. Like that's always something that I, my ears kind of perk up and I'll pay more, a little more attention. That's a really cool aspect of this one that the other movies didn't have. Um, the fights are just choreographed. Awesome. Like they're really good. And, um, and, uh, it's just, just, it's a solid undisputed flick. Like for me, I think it's my favorite one so far. I'd, I would have to rewatch them again to kind of see which one's my favorite, but, um, I really, really dug this. So if you're a fan of Undisputed, the, that series, and, uh, this is like just as good, probably just as good as any of those other ones. Except the first one. The first one for me is a bit weak, but once Scott Adkins enters with Boyka, I think it's, uh, definitely worth, worth watching. Yeah, I like it. And, uh, finally, uh, I'm not gonna talk too much about this, but I watched this last night with my wife. Uh, the new King Arthur movie is actually really fucking fun. <laughs> so, I don't know where all these horrible reviews came from. Uh, it has like, it has like a, si- you know, Siamese twins, you know how they're stuck together? Well, it's like a Siamese triplet, but it's like, has tentacles and it's like a water creature. And the, the middle, fuck the middle one is like super ugly and like, <laughs> Two are like super hot tentacle women creatures. It has that in it, and then it has like giant <laughs> elephants attacking a castle, and like awesome. Well, like, congratulations! Wizard, you just talked me out of watching the movie. <laughs> so it's like, you just talked me into it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I nearly choked when I was so describing that. I think you sold me too. It's guy. I mean, it's a Guy Ritchie film. If you like Guy Ritchie, you'll like this. That his, explains his everything. He kind of plays the timelines a little bit. Someone will hit, ask, like, how did you get here? And they'll kind of talk. He'll go back and see how they got there or whatever. He'll play with that. There's banter back and forth. Uh, Charlie Hunnam, 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 uh, whatever his name is, is actually pretty good. They don't bro things out like they kind of did in like with Sherlock Holmes. They kind of made him into like this, um, you know, fight. Like, I don't know. They made Sherlock Jesus Holmes shit. a little yeah. too, of a, too much of a brawler. This, it makes sense, but he, they don't go that route where they bro him out a bit. Like, I don't know. I had fun with it. It's more for me, more of like a fantasy, you know, fantasy flick loosely based on the King Arthur legend. If you can get past all that and just have fun with a, with Guy Ritchie attempting fantasy is a lot of fun to be had. 
for me, it's like just a fun popcorn flick. And uh, like I said, like some cool creature fantasy stuff um, in it too. So, well, nothing's ever going to beat Excalibur, but I don't think anything oh, no. can be as bad as First Night. I mean, dear God. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll give this a, a shot. Noise, or is that snoring? That was snoring. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, if you're curious about it and you like, you know, I mean, it's better than uh, it's better than a couple of the Hobbit movies. I can say that, and I'm a fan Uh-oh. of the Hobbit movies. So <laughs> you know, dude, I didn't even know Lord those. Rings, I didn't know those movies came out until we were talking on the podcast one <laughs> the time. <Hobbit> movies. <laughs> oh shit! They released those. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's that's all I got. I'll just stick to, you know, Antoine Fuqua's director's cut of King Arthur. I dug that. Yeah, I could that that actually I So is this I is like this that. a sequel to it or is it no, this no, just it's like its own thing. It's 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 basically a retelling of how he got Excalibur and and all that kind of stuff and Okay, bye. And there's some, you know, his father, there's some, you know, a tyrant king took over, killed his father and he, you know, he's realizing he's Arthur and all that stuff, but I don't know. You know, it's, it's for me, it's, it's fun. But, you know, that Anton, uh, Fuqua King Arthur, though, is pretty badass. So I don't know. Yeah, if I, like it. I don't know if it's better than that because that was pretty fucking cool. And the director's cut is, is pretty good. So no, it's, but they're completely different animals. Whereas Anton Fuqua's, he tries to base it in reality. This just goes balls out with the fantasy. So. Well, you said an elephant beast thing and I was just, I said no. Crank that sound up, man. If you have a good sound system, crank it up. Maybe when I don't have anything else to watch in life, I'll give you'll, it a shot. You know what, Brad? You'll probably hate it, so don't watch it. You'll probably, yeah. With our track record, you'll probably hate it. <laughs> hey, I've surprised you a couple times with you have, shit. You have. All right. You know, I'll text you and be like, bro, why is this so good and I shouldn't like this movie? Uh, oh, it's my turn? It's your turn. You have two minutes All right. to go. Sure. Um, well, it's I've watched. I, I was just looking at my list because I, you know, keep a tally. I've watched a hundred movies since our last show. Holy shit! I yeah. believe it. Um, so I will just pick out maybe like three. So give me a second. Well, since you mentioned it and you talked about that Ouija bullshit, um, <laughs> I actually saw Annabelle. Uh, creation. Okay. Um, it's pretty fucking terrible. Um, <laughs> I didn't think it could be worse than the first one. And, um, I mean, there's more scares, but it's just all jump scares. That's all okay. they do. The entire movie. Um, there'll probably be about six spinoffs from this movie of uh. creatures and things that happen. Um, and then I remember reading about people like talking about how awesome the tie-in is. And if you actually paid attention in Annabelle, the tie-in actually doesn't make any lick of sense whatsoever. It was hilarious because my 12-year-old daughter turned to me after the film and she like looks and starts yelling as the movie's ending saying this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> And she got pissed off. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she was like, listen, this is what happened. This is what's happening. It doesn't make sense. And I was like, oh, shit, you're right. I didn't even fucking think of that. And I was like, good Lord. I was like, how oblivious is that shit? But for anybody that watches it, 
just pay attention to the events that happen at the end, of course, that tie into the first one. It really doesn't make any sense. It's just one of those things where I think people will be like, oh, shit, yeah, and then like forget about it. But if you really, 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 really think, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So, yeah, I was not happy with it. Um, a couple jump scares that are all right, a couple gags, um, but, yeah, that's about it. Um I watched uh, Personal Shopper with um, Kristen Stewart. Um, I really like Personal Shopper. It's a very odd telling of a ghost story. Um, She is a um, ghost. She's a a, a ghost what? Well, I was taking it. I was ta- I took a pause there because oh, I was okay. trying to think of the best way to describe her because she's not like a ghost hunter, but she is hired to kind of um, uh, contact the dead. Okay. So she can go into a, a place and kind of uh, talk to the dead. There's a couple other things that are in in the film that are intriguing. Uh, a personal relationship. Uh, you know, um, stuff like that, that she's, she's dealing with, but it's a, it's like a haunted house movie, but a drama at the same time, it's really, really good. Um, I didn't know Kristen Stewart stripped down to basically nothing in movies. So that was something (laughs) I was like, I was like, okay. Um, I didn't know you did this cause I was still thinking she was like, you know, like 18. I didn't know she was older. Like I'm watching it and I was like, whoa. And I like looked up her IMDB as like, oh, you're like a full blown adult now. You know, you are a woman, so you're allowed to do this. Did this did this um, podcast just get a little weird? It did. It did well, it was weird for me because when you're watching a movie and you're thinking it's like I was still thinking like I don't know why. I'm I don't keep up with Chris, Kristen Stewart's life. Yeah. But I was always thinking she was the little girl in the panic room. <laughs> And I, I didn't. I haven't really watched many movies with Kristen Stewart in them, yeah. other than like American Ultra. But right. I wasn't thinking about that. I was just watching it, and then she just strips down. I was like, "Wait a second, how old is she?" And then I look, and I was like, "Way, way off." Um, but it's it's. Other than that, we should be talking about the movie. But Personal Shopper is <laughs> really, really good. I think Criterion's releasing it. Yeah. Uh, very, very soon. Um, yeah, it's it's really, really worth it. Um. The only thing I had, like, not against the film, but red flags is, man, the fucking ghost effects that they did were just so, like, late 1990s. I was was really hoping that they could pull off something that looked a little more believable rather than look like someone threw, like, chalk at the screen and just let it float on. Um... (laughs) And then, let's see, I watched, um, well, I'll get to this now. I watched the other, uh, last night? Yeah, last night, I watched Bag Boy, Lover Boy by Severin. Holy shit. Uh, this movie is fucking like 76 minutes, and it doesn't waste a fucking second. It, um, the best way to describe it is if, um, uh, Hen and Lauder and Abel Ferreira got together and made a modern day movie in New York. 
this is kind of what it would be like. Um, it's a hot dog vendor who I, I don't know if he's supposed to be like, it felt like he may um, not like Asperger's, but like he, like some, something's up with, with the actor. I don't know if he's like, he could be from a different country, but he just, he talks very like when he speaks, it's just very odd. So it already is unsettling um, because it feels almost like exploitation of the actor in a way, which I kind of dug um, because it felt very 70-ish and 80s, like grimy, like street New York movies. Um, and he's picked up by a, uh, a guy that comes up, buys a hot dog, finds out he takes pictures. Um, this intrigues. Uh, his name's Albert. In the hot dog vendor intrigues Albert. He wants to learn how to take pictures, um, but they're just using him in these like weird scenarios. Um, and then he wants to just start taking pictures himself and takes it to another level. Uh, the pictures that he is taking are um, he doesn't do anything violent. It's just that it's supposed to be violent acts that they're trying to capture. So he like puts a bag over a woman's head and another one acts like a pig in a slaughterhouse. And he, you know, pokes her and, you know, is quote unquote killing her in the shoot. But then he takes uh, shit to his own own uh own personal level and gets really weird um it's it's very like driller killer ish too like there's a lot of driller killer vibes going on through the film um amongst the other hundred movies i've seen i don't know if i'm going to talk about anything else so all right Josh Obershaw joins us with the news. Josh, what you got? Well, today I found something on Amazon when I was, you know, just looking. Actually, I was just killing time waiting for at my doctor's appointment. But I found that uh, Paramount's putting out a new Blu-ray of Escape from L.A. And, yeah. Apparently it was out of print for a little while and super expensive. But it's Didn't coming Screen back. Factory do that? Oh, no, no it was New York. Escape from New York. Oh. Yeah, uh, Escape from L.A. is going to be coming out on September 26th. This is according to the Amazon listing that I came across. Uh, next up from Olive Films, they're going to be putting out Larry Cohen's Hell Up in Harlem. That one comes out on August 29th. No special features to speak of or anything like that. I got a couple from Scorpion Dimension. First one is 1981's Kill and Kill Again. That one is coming out on October 3rd. And they also have 1973's Lady Ice coming out later in the year. And that is said to have a brand new remaster. And the film will be presented in its original aspect ratio of 2.39 to 1 for the first time ever. So that's from Scorpion. And speaking of Scorpion, let's just move right along to Kino Lorber because this one... I know a lot of people are going to be excited about because we finally have a release date for Rawhead Rex. And the date is October 17th, just in time for Halloween. Hey, and it's a few days yes. after my birthday. Hint, hint, everybody. Hell yeah. Because <laughs> I'm not going to pay $30 uh, for a slipcase. I will. What the fuck? 
How, have you I know seen the movie. I haven't. <laughs> yeah. seen, I haven't seen the movie, so I'm like very wary of uh, of buying it because I hear the movie's not that great, and I and I'm unsure. Um, I, not not to have you rattle off all the special features, Josh, but is there no. anything on there that looks like it could possibly make thirty dollars well spent? Well, the audio commentary with the director it's moderated by Stephen Thrower, so. I'll, I mean okay. that was the okay. that was a selling point for me. Okay. I mean, there's an interview with the actor that plays Rawhead Rex, a few of the other people, the special effects crew, whatnot, a booklet essay. I, yeah, I mean, I, the first, I, the one time I saw this movie, I was ten years old. My folks rented it. I was really excited to see it because it was a monster movie. This was the first time that I was ever severely disappointed by a monster movie <laughs> in my entire life. <laughs> So if a nine-year-old is disappointed with something like Raw Head Rex, that should give you a hit as to how bad this movie is. Wow. But, but someone just reminded me that I read the, I read the uh, the short story, the original short story, later in my adult years, and there was that whole thing with you know the monster pissing on the priest, and apparently that was in the movie. I'm like, I don't remember that. Yeah, that's in the movie. Well, well I'm fucking buying it for just for that. So <laughs> there's just way too many incentives for me to get this. So I'm so, definitely so thirty dollars is worth a Stephen Thrower uh, moderated audio commentary and uh, the scene where uh, monster pisses on a priest. Yep. Okay. You know that movie. This movie has the oddest following, and I don't understand it because everybody you meet. That talks about is like, oh my god, Raw X is amazing. Rawhead Rex is amazing. It's so fucking stupid. And I was like, no, I understand the stupid part. I don't understand why you like it. Like, why? Like, the fans are fucking die hard over this movie. Yeah. This is like the next Troll 2. Mark my words. If it's not already. No. <laughs> I'll just sell my tape for like a hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I've got some more stuff to get through. Uh, a, a few more Kino Lover things. Uh, Nine Angel from 1990. This is going to be the first time that it's ever been on DVD and Blu-ray. That one's coming out on March 24th. That one has a few, uh, few cool extras too. Shit, also, I can sell my tape on that one too. <laughs> How I'm much is that shit worth? I, I, dude, I like to do this. Like, you sell tapes, and they fucking go for like a hundred bucks because people are dumb. <laughs> I love it. Uh, let's see what else from Kino Lorber. Yeah, Rolling Vengeance from 1987. That one's coming out on the set on the 17th. Stone Cold Dead on October 3rd. That's going to be the first time it's ever been on DVD and Blu-ray. And here we go, more Baba, Kill Baby Kill from 1966. That one's coming out on October 10th. Yes. A week after my birthday, hint, hint. (laughs) (laughs) I'll make a note of it. We'll post our Amazon Amazon wish lists in the show notes, everybody. Yeah, and Brad's VHS for sale list. (laughs) There you go. I'm going to be rich this year. Fucking Rolling Vengeance, Night Angel, Rawhead Rex. I'm going to make a fucking ton of money. At least a couple hundy. What was the other one you said? Night? Like, what was it? It was Night Angel, Rolling Vengeance, Stone Cold Dead. Stone Cold Dead. I don't know what the fuck that is. I've never heard of that <laughs> one either. Let me check it out. Uh, you, can keep, you can keep talking. I'm just looking it up. 
Okay. Well, that's it for Kino Lover. I'm moving on to uh, Screen Factory. There's a release date for The Resurrected. That one's September 12th. This one's pretty much packed. A 2K remaster. There's a whole bunch of interviews, including, and I know BJ will love this one, The Resurrected Man, an interview with Chris Sarandon. Oh. They deleted and extended scenes from the work print and home video trailer and Japanese trailer. So that's pretty cool. VCI Entertainment just announced four titles. For November 7th, they're going to be releasing Satan's Cheerleaders and The Aftermath. They've also got The Twilight People, 1 Million BC. There's no release dates for those. It just says late 2017. Also for late 2017, they're releasing the movie Ruby. And that has... Bonus features listed. That's the only one out of these titles that has bonus features listed. It's a 2K restoration trailer um, commentary with the director and Curtis Harrington and actress uh, Piper Laurie. Kind of read that wrong, but I don't care. So that is VCI Entertainment. Next up, Umbrella is releasing The Entity on September 6th. It is region locked, but who knows? Maybe some people can play it on there. Fucking people are going to release the fucking entity on fucking Blu-ray. Jesus Christ! Haven't, hasn't uh, already been out? Yeah, like fucking everybody's released that shit. It's weird. <laughs> the the last I didn't know it was on Blu-ray. The only, the last one I remember is the Anchor Bay DVD. Yeah, no, it's no, on, man. I have, yeah, it's on Blu-ray. I have the Eureka one, and I have whatever the other one. Blue. Let me look. I'm beside it. Um. Excuse me. I don't. I don't even see that shit. I must have must have sold the old one. I just have the Eureka one up here. But yeah, yeah, it's been on Blu-ray in the states and in in the UK. That's weird. What was uh? I'm getting confused with all these titles. You said Ruby. I thought there's that's like confirmed they're doing that because I know that there was some rights issues with that. Yeah, I remember been, them talking about. Yeah, it's been confirmed. I mean, the the, uh, the features have all been said. Cool. They don't have they don't have a firm release date, but that's what they're working on. And you said the aftermath is getting a uh, Blu-ray release, right? Yeah, that one is November seventh. Sweet. I'll get the aftermath for sure. Sid Haig up in the shit. <laughs> yeah. Cause I have that on DVD. <laughs> Fucking Steve Barkett is the fucking man. They need to do Empire of the Dark next because I think they released that on DVD. They needed to put that on Blu-ray. It's only two Steve Barkett movies has ever done. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah, if you missed out on The Dead Next Door, that ultimate edition that went out of print, well, Tempe Entertainment is going to be putting that putting out a two-disc collector's edition on September 26th. It's practically the same Blu-ray as the one in the out-of-print version. It's going to be a Blu-ray plus DVD. Very nice. And let's see, 88 Films is releasing their own Blu-ray of Street Trash on 11 November 20th. So that's a little treat for our UK friends. And uh, Mill Creek is putting out a 50th anniversary edition of Night of the Living Dead. I know there are some people that are bummed out, that are bummed out by this. I know one guy was saying, well, so much for the criteria. And I'm like, this movie is public domain. Yeah. Criterion I mean, just because, Mil- 
Yeah, just because Mill Creek is putting it out, does that's, that, that's not going to stop cartoons. Dude, people put out fucking Night of the Living Dead every fucking six months. Exactly. And Janice Films is doing um, a tour in October with a 4K restoration they did. Yep. So. So don't lose hope. If you don't want to buy the Mill Creek, don't buy it. But if but if you can't wait, then the release date for that is October 17th. And last but not least, we have the Vinegar Syndrome September Package. Now, the street date for the entire thing is going to be September 26th. If you buy the whole package before then, it's going to be 40% off. But if you just want the Blu-ray package, it's going to be 35% off. Now, what are they going to be putting out in September? The previously announced Psychos in Love. Where the yeah oh yeah oh yeah this thing is this thing is totally loaded and it's also gonna ha- it's also gonna have one of those uh, slip cases one of those really thick slip cases that they're gonna put on the first one thousand two thousand whatever if you buy it directly for them of course and I believe it's the same thing for Orgy of the Dead from the mind of Ed Wood comes Orgy of the Dead horror novelist John and his girlfriend Shirley are taking the night drive in search of an eerie graveyard that will hopefully inspire John to come up with his, his next story, but then shit goes down, blah, blah, blah. All you have to say was, all you have to say was, Edward, I'm, I'm sold. I'll get this one. And the other one, the other Blu-ray, is going to be Trip with the Teacher. Uh-oh, this sounds like a naughty one. Is it a naughty I one? I believe so. I think it's a naughty one. Maybe not. No, as, it's not. No, okay. All right. Not... Not as oh, naughty wow. as it's one of the old Mill Creek uh, batch batch. It's one of the um, uh, I always say Crown Royal, <laughs> Crown International, Crown International. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. Crown International titles. Speaking of Crown Royal, it, I might need to make myself a drink. It's like up there with uh, what we just talked about, Malibu High. It's on one of those sets. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. yeah. So they're going to release all those. I I'll eventually be able to unload my 50 title DVD Mill Creek <laughs> things after Vinegar Syndrome gets done after a couple of years for a full 25 I, bucks. Right. Oh, do you know some of those are way out of print now? Oh, there you go. Yeah, there's a couple of those Mill Creek things that are pretty expensive all right i'm so excited for how profitable this episode is for i know that. right I know. oh yeah <laughs> he's probably can possibly uh put his daughter through college but yes. at least maybe buy a book it's gonna be a sweet christmas nonetheless <laughs> all right what else uh what else are they putting out uh there's gonna be the dvd only picture which is gonna be dark dreams that's, that's the enough. uh that's a naughty. That is a not that that's a naughty horror. A tale of erotic fantasy. Yep. Mm. <laughs> and Harry Reams. <laughs> Harry Harry Reams. Yeah, this is the this is the naughty haunted house one, if I'm not mistaken. Very nice. And and of course the uh, the Picorama is actually going to be a big three unit show. Hey hey. Oh. The triple pictures feature. are triple feature: the sins, the sinful pleasures of Reverend Star, Kinky Tricks, and China Lust. China Lust. Oh. Linda Linda Wong's in that shit. Yep. 
And wow. I've seen, I've seen that. Their and? last Picorama was three titles, too. Was it? Yeah, I believe so. Very nice. No, it was just two. No, well, they did one with that Ralph, uh, whatever his name is, Eli or whatever. Maybe it was the time before last. Well, I know last month they have their first, their first uh, Blu-ray DVD combo in the Sexploitation Signature Series. And that was like a limited thing, but no, the Picarama was uh, was just two movies. It was uh, Sunny and More Than Sisters. But whatever. That's well. your uh, that's your uh, Vinegar Syndrome package, and that is the news. And I'm sorry to say, folks. That is it for me this week. All right, Josh. Hey, thanks for joining us, man. Oh, no problem. Do this again sometime. Awesome. Yep. We will talk to you uh, next time. Cool. All right, man. So, bye, you guys. All right. We are ready to get our Nashy on. Uh, Stephanie... Crawford, of course, is still with us, as well as Brad Henderson. It's almost, you could just say, time to get nashy. Yeah. Ah, man, I mi- missed opportunity. I wanted to say that, but I didn't oh. want to step out of bounds. No, you should have said that. I, I, I <laughs> suck. Damn. <laughs> it's time to get nashy. <laughs> That's so much better. See, this is this is why I just bring smarter people in to the show than me, and actually, <laughs> what like, am I all doing of you just talk more. <laughs> all right, well, this uh, Scream Factory set is out. It's uh, there's five movies in it. I'm just going to list the movies really quick on what's in this set, and then we're going to we're gonna probably do some intro to Nashi here. But the set includes includes Horror Rises from the Tomb, Vengeance of the Zombies, Blue Eyes of the Broken Doll. Human Beasts and Night of the Werewolf. And when this, it comes in a nice little slipcase, not as sturdy as the Vinegar Syndrome ones though, or the Arrow ones. <clears throat> That's one area that Screen Factory needs to step up their game, in my opinion. Um, yeah, they bend in the mail too easy too. Yeah, they just get destroyed. I've, I've seen a lot of people complaining. I mean, I don't really give a shit, but yeah. But, but uh, I mean, I, I think it's honestly, I think it's one of those things where, um, uh, you know, this is not a rip on anybody, but I think Screen Factory really um, adheres to the common horror fan and um, Arrow and Vinegar Syndrome. Well, I, I think there's different calibers too. Arrow tends to hit the cult side of people, and then um, Vinegar Syndrome hits the weird side of people yeah Yeah. so i think that if one of the other even vinegar syndrome release something or you know um arrow i i think they're a little not apprehend they have kind of a a stronger i don't know fan base i think and a more loyal fan base um just because of the issues that have came out from screen factory but i think it's one of those things where they just don't know how people are going to react um, because I don't think they're that well in tune with how big kind of Paul Nash is and like how um, <laughs> excited people w- 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 are, are going to be. 
Um, I felt like this could have been like a more like Vincent Price set. Yeah, um, totally. But I, I think maybe they'll take their time with this volume two that they've just announced. So I, I, I'm pretty excited. I'm glad because obviously they wouldn't have done it if it wasn't a big um, probably sale for them unless they did a, a, a deal with Victory Films to release all the Paul Nashy films. I don't know. Because that's who owns all this shit yeah. at this point. Well, they probably yeah. did something um, tentative, but um, but when when they announced it, I I like Paul Nash is a blind spot for me, so I had never, I don't think I'd have ever seen a Paul Nash film. I didn't really know who it was, and I was like, well, what the hell is this, you know? And then I started reading about the films, and I got kind of a, you know, like Vincent Price vibe horror or a Hammer films vibe from what I was reading and about him and everything, and um. I was very intrigued, so of course this was a no-brainer for me to grab, and um, I think I fell in love with uh, with some Nashy, everyone. I don't see how you can't. My mom introduced me to Paul Nashy when I was younger because she told me that my dad looked like Paul Nashy. <laughs> my dad always got two people when he was older, Ernest Borgnine, and then when he was younger, <laughs> Paul Nashy. Um, and I was, when I very first introduced to Paul Nashi, it was like, oh my God, like that's like when my dad got out of the military, that's what my dad looked like. Like as far as like the, like the hair placement, you know, cause Paul Nashi was a, a weightlifter back in the day. So my dad like was a, my dad's still a big dude, but I mean, back in his prime, he was like. He was fucking huge, and he just and he even looks like Paul Nashy, like from pictures. I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll send Stephanie some pictures because I know that <laughs> Thank she. Thank you. Paul I Nash. don't want to be creepy. Ask for, but if you're gonna can off. you send me pictures of your dad? <laughs> Preferably the younger pictures. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> any with his shirt off, I'll take. Okay. <laughs> Is he We're the biggest. Wood in any of them? <laughs> uh, he might be. I don't know. So. Um, but yeah, that, my mom told me about that and she, um, I can't remember, honestly, I wish I could remember the first Paul Nashy film that she, um, that she showed me. I think I was maybe a little too young and I wasn't as interested because it was one of my very first like foreign films. Um, and I don't think my mom, and when my, I say that my mom wasn't like a big Paul Nashy fan. She just knew who, who he was. So I, I think she put on one of the movies and I don't even think she was interested because she's always kind of been, um, not a fan of, uh, you know, uh, subtitles per se. Um, and I think when I very first saw it, I didn't know what was happening either because I was very young. But um, it wasn't until I think when I was like 13 or 14, there were a couple Spanish horror films at uh, a blockbuster down the street. And I rented those and those both had Paul Nashi. And then I researched who he was and so he had like this reoccurring uh, werewolf uh, thing that he was doing. And I, I try to find out, try to find as many films as I could with, with him in it. At that time, they were pretty hard to find um, uh, because it was mostly bootlegs that were being traded. So it was mostly boot, bootleg VHS tapes that I found in Ohio at a rental store. But yeah, I, I started getting in it uh, very young. Um, so some of his films are complete misses, um, like Vengeance of the Zombies, and then like some of them are just like out of this world amazing, like uh, Human Beasts. So, anyways, Stephanie, what's your uh, what's your relationship with Paul Nashi? 
Uh, I probably fall in between both of you. I first heard of them probably in my early 20s. Um, I grew up with Vincent Price, and I always had an interest in the older horror films, uh, Hammer, The Universal. um, And if you start researching those films at all, Nashi's name will come, come up. And when you see all the work he did, it's kind of mind-blowing that we don't hear of him more than we do. Um, but, you know, the films are in Spanish. So I I don't really have a whole lot of memories. I think I was kind of in kind of a frenzy watching everything at one time. Um, but my first was Frankenstein's Bloody Terror. And I still have my uh, Shriek Show DVD of that. And, yeah, it he made a big impression on me. And it's been a lot of fun rediscovering him on Blu-ray. I have the, um, the out-of-print victory double of uh, Vengeance of the Zombies and Night of the Werewolf. And... You should uh, sell it. It sells for really good money right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to, but they have intros that Nashi filmed for them that didn't make it yeah. onto the screen. Uh... I'm like, no, yeah. <laughs> you can't do it now. Um, and then uh, Count Dracula's Great Love with Vinegar Syndrome. That was a very unexpectedly sweet movie, I yeah. thought. It's really good. We- so I've been familiar with them for around 10 years or so, but I'm certainly not an expert. Very nice. Brett, did we cover Count Dracula's? We covered Count Dracula's Great Love on the show, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, we talked about it. Holy shit. Well, you said this is your first. That was should have been your first step. That was, that was one of the titles was. you didn't watch. No, I I watched it and I just didn't uh, put two and two together. I guess his yeah. name's plastered all over the front I know, cover. I know. I I I know. What the fuck? What's wrong with me? I don't so know. Dreamy, Sean. <laughs> I know. I didn't know who. I mean, I didn't really look at the names or anything. And then I, you know, so I is this this crossed my path before I knew of the Nashi. Okay. I didn't pay All attention. Right. I was just like, there's this dreamy Count Dracula. Looks like he could do some pretty good weight at the deadlift, you know. Uh that's all I that's all I thought. Yeah, actually, I mean if, he's if you go to if you go to his website, uh Nashi.com, at the bottom there is a YouTube video of the Paul Nashi workout. <laughs> Stephanie's already there. And he's doing a deadlift. Um but yeah, I, you know, I, I agree with uh, you know w- with Stephanie on a lot of what she said. I mean, of course, if you research any monsters, uh, any monster movies from you know the sixties, fifties, sixties, seventies, and anytime you do a, a fucking Google search on Lon Chaney and Boris Karloff, uh, Paul Nashi comes up. But of all those people put together, Paul Nashi did everything. You know, he he. He played basically every fucking monster known to man. He played a werewolf a bajillion times, Um, you know, and it was just something like, uh, you know, and I think it's due to the fact that the films were in Spanish is one of the reasons why he wasn't more popular as far as like on the par with um, as far as fame goes with Lon Chaney or Boris Karloff. But he could stand right next to those guys, Um, you know, especially, you know, he he wrote most of these fucking movies and, and directed them. Yeah. Um, so like he, he, you know, he's very accomplished and, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad 
that you know when when Vinegar Syndrome announced uh, Count Dracula, they uh, you could see kind of the fans come out of the woodwork saying, "Oh my gosh, more Nashy, more Nashy." Um, because the films that were released on Blu-ray and a couple of these things on DVD, because I have the, you know, um, Curse of the Werewolf and um, Bench of the Zombies as well, that Victory um, Blu-ray. Um, and then I, I think Subculture and Germany, they released a couple of uh, of his films on uh, DVD and Blu-ray. And then, you know, Scream Factory announced this, and then I could see, like, a lot of people, like, even, you know, just your common horror fans saying, oh, my gosh, you know. So I, I'm glad to see that he is kind of now, at this point, uh, you know, very popular amongst a lot of people. And I think there's a lot of people as well that are going to get turned on to Paul Nashie and see, like, how we had – you know, this great actor, you know, this great writer, director who was able to, you know, act and, and, and write these like something like Human Beasts and Night of the Werewolf are great uh, and just be able to set these like tones and themes and and create the, this, you know, really eerie and beautiful atmosphere in these movies um, and just kind of always be the underdog of it all. At that time, they were coming out. Um, and more so get more recognition as, as time goes on, um, you know, from a cult following to, you know, almost like this, I wouldn't say international at this time, but hopefully he gains that at some point, uh, with these movies coming out and the majority of kind of your common horror fan. Yeah. Let's what's, um, of this set, these five movies, what's your guys' favorite film mine was uh i mean my i think mine was night of the werewolf i had a lot of fun with that one it was my my favorite one just because i'm partial to i guess monsters anyway but i love that it was a combination like there's the werewolf story and then all of a sudden you know some there's some vampires arrive like i love that and with this other kind of uh, let's see, Horror Rises from the Tomb, how it has that first 10 minutes take place in more of a medieval setting. And he gets a huge bang for his buck for both of those films at the beginning before it kind of transfers into quote unquote modern day. Um, but yeah, neither werewolf, werewolf was a favorite of mine. I can't wait to watch his other werewolf flicks. Stephanie, what's, what's your favorite out of this set? Um, I'm a big fan of Night of the Werewolf as well. I'm very partial to Horror Rises from the Tomb as well. Um, it's just beautiful. And I think I'm a little susceptible to the ones he's more sensitive in. I thought I showed a lot of sensitivity in that. Um, I think that's the first uh, Demarnak movie uh, with um, that character he did. Yeah, I, I think so, yeah. Yeah, I'm... Yeah, I I think that one probably stood out. I found something enjoyable in all of them. Um, but yeah, okay. Since you did Werewolf, I'll do Horror Rises from the Tomb. <laughs> That's a fun one too. Yeah. Um, Brad, what one did you say was your Human Beasts? Human, human Beasts. Beast. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I want yeah, I want you to talk about Human Beasts a little bit because this this is what's interesting about the set especially like I thought I was going to get a bunch of kind of hammer feeling like monster movies but there's a good variety here um you know going into like Blue Eyes of the Broken Doll like I almost got like a like a giallo feel from it especially from the title um 
And then Vengeance of the Zombies was, you know, a little, little, little less, but Human Beast. Film for a quarter. Yeah. Yeah. But Human (laughs) Beast is more like a Japanese, there's some Yakuza influence in that one. Um, I mean, I, I think when you say Hammer, I think that really meets with Horror Rises from the Tomb. Yeah. Uh, Vengeance of the Zombies just seems like Paul Nashie made a film on a weekend with his friends. <laughs> yeah. And like he had his like kids like decorate the set. Um, Do Dawn of the Dead zombie makeup. Have <laughs> yeah. a great fight. Yeah, it's just it's just a really bizarre movie. I I I I've, this is like my third time seeing it. I just I can't get into it's, it. It's my least favorite um, on the set for sure. Yeah, Blue Eyes of the Broken Doll. Yeah, they were definitely more of kind of a cop uh, procedural like you know uh, giallo uh, feel to that. Um, Night of the Werewolf kind of goes back to the Hammer, but also hits kind of like you know more more or less the Universal. Yeah. Um, monsters, I think, rather than Hammer. I think the real Hammer thing is Horror Rises from the Tomb. Yeah. Um, Human Beasts, it feels, it feels like an, you said Yakuza. I'm, I get the Italian vibes okay. all over it. Like, okay. it feels like, you know, um, it feels like you're watching part, like, of a pseudo sequel to Mario Baba's, like, Kidnapped or something. Um, I, I, I like the shootouts. I think they're great. And then it got, just gets fucking weird. And then it turns into, and like, this is the weird thing about it. I don't like this company because I don't like most of the movies they put out, but it gets like this full moon feel to it. (laughs) Once he actually gets to the house and like the, you know, they got all this weird shit. And then when the climax happens, it feels like this, like, cause Italian movies did that. They're just like, Oh shit. You think this is going to happen? And then it's boom. (laughs) It ends and it's like, holy shit. Um, but yeah, I like Human Beast because it's kind of all over the place. I love the shootouts. I I kind of like that, you know, you know, nursing back to health and then some weird shit's happening. It's just an all around weird movie. It's kind of a genre mashup at the same time. Um, I'm really partial to like, you know, Euro crime flicks and this kind of has those elements to it. Um, so yeah, that's the, one of the main reasons why I like Human Beast so much. Yeah, that's got I me. Mean, I was I was watching it, thinking that like I'm like I'll bet you Brad likes this one a lot. <laughs> yeah, and then next to it is Night of the Werewolf, just because the atmosphere and you know it, it does have that universal monster feel to it. Um, you know, I I just love some of the shots and especially. You know, I mean, I believe these are the same transfers as the Victory Blu-rays uh, that were put out years ago. Um, you know, they still look okay, um, but there's there there's some really good cinematography and lighting, uh, especially like when he's just drooling and like the blood's like just coming out of his mouth. Um, it, it just you know, I don't know who's lighting these Nashy films, but s- sometimes they like strike solid gold. Yeah. on you know just yeah. setup of the atmosphere and and just the look of the film and capturing certain you know just aspects of it it's it's they're really really great um and i know i mean uh, it's a lot with nashi films so I, I know it's a big partial uh, you know a big big uh thing with him um you know doing all that i'm glad we all uh, like night of the werewolf but i do kind of have a question What's going on with that long hold of the mask in the beginning? 
Yeah, you know, at first I thought it was, you know, um, because I remember watching it when I bought the Blu-ray before, but I don't remember it being that long. But I, I actually rewinded to look at the timestamp because you can the music's playing. Yeah, yeah. Once they it once they hit them, and it was like, wait a second, it's like a good like maybe twenty seconds <laughs> where there's nothing happening. Um, but uh, there's no titles. Yeah, or anything I, I can't remember. Was there not any titles? No, no credits. The there's nothing. It's just a yeah, freeze on the, his, the, the werewolf. The the iron mask they put on him, right? Right. Yeah. Once they hit him and he bleeds and like he looks <laughs> yeah. down, then it stops and um, it just stops. And then like maybe about 20. I mean, it seems I don't know how long it is. I would say a good, but it's a long 20 seconds, maybe even 30. And then all of a sudden, Paul Nashie's name pops up with the title <laughs> of the movie. And um, I don't remember it being that long. But, yeah, I agree. Maybe they just were. Maybe they're just running, uh, you know, the titles came up short. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Or it was really expensive and they're going to get their money's worth. <laughs> <laughs> Could have been. It took Paul Nashi like 37 takes to do that shot, so he just wanted to know people that he did it. <laughs> who knows? The, uh, so. I, I love it when, I mean, I love how involved he is with these films. Which one was he... The zombie one is when he's like this devil character, yeah? Yeah. And he yeah, plays multiple characters. Krishna, so yeah. Devil. yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Yes, yes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he plays like this Hindu Krishna character in in uh Ven- Vengeance of the Zombies. Yeah. And plays the devil and then plays the other. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like cuz the one thing about the these films is like they're they're so he his he was in Spain, so his production company and everything was in Spain. But he would kind of do what uh, other companies would do would be like, well, you know, this movie takes place in this country or whatever. So, you know, um, but it's all in Spanish. So you, so of course he's going to play the Hare Krishna guy or whatever, the, the Hindu guy. And so that I'm like, I was trying to think, like, did they actually use any, uh, any, uh, Indian actors at all or was it all? Spanish actors for that one in particular. That one was a bit jarring. I know that in Human Beasts, no, there's actually Japanese act- actors in Human Beasts. Yeah. No, I think in – is it Vengeance that they do? Because it's um, it's not uh, – they use um, – don't they use f- some Filipino actors in that? They must, yeah. Okay, yeah, they must. But it's, it's yeah. It's just I, funny I think it's some Filipino these, actors, and I think they're they're overdubbed in 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 Spanish, and they did that in Human Beast too, where they were in a few scenes the Japanese uh, actress was overdubbed in Spanish, and then there's a scene where you know, a couple are talking to each other and they're talking in Japanese. So there's the Spanish subtitles, and then we have the English subtitles on top. <laughs> yeah, but I, I I think it's I think it's pretty wild though. Like um, you know, obviously he's writing the films and directing them and starring in them, but he is casting himself as multiple characters. And at times, like we laugh at that now, but you know, back when Nashi's doing it, we're like, man, this guy's a fucking badass. <laughs> you know, right now, like if people do it, it's like this pretentious fuck couldn't hire somebody else to play these roles. But when Nashi does it, like we want more Nashi. Like we love that he you know, but he he's also he, he can play a good character actor. He mm-hmm. can play a monster. 
Um, and, and that's uh, one thing about him. I, I know that there's kind of some lost in translation um, thing. I don't know if we ever talked about this on the show, but it's uh, for someone that doesn't speak the language, it's kind of hard to pick out a bad actor. You know, if you're watching a Japanese film, a Korean film, you don't know if the actors are bad or not because right. you don't know how they're saying their lines. Um, so uh, to, to me, Nashi nails like every character. I was I was just always curious if like, you know, someone speaks Spanish fluently, if they're like, oh, Paul Nashi's like, you know, oh, I can't say this with Stephanie on the show. Oh, um, <laughs> he's kind of like John Cusack. Where John Cusack plays John Cusack, I, I'm so sorry. I know, I know. I I'll love. See my way out. Oh man! <laughs> all about I don't know, Stephanie. I don't know if I agree with Brad at all on this. I love. I <laughs> love John Cusack. That. I love him so. No, much. I, I, really I understand do. what you're saying. But he always plays Lloyd Dobler, you know. Um, but you know, or he always plays hoops. Um, but I, I, I dig that he does it well. Um, I need and, to interject and, though. You know, my favorite John Cusack thing that he does is his like eye twitch back and forth when he gets really focused and he's talking to someone and he like his eyes dart back and forth. You guys ever notice that when he gets all? Oh intense? yeah, fucking yeah. say anything. That's all he does. He say anything. <laughs> I don't think um, that's actually sh- legitimately possible. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I can do that. Like, but uh, he does it, and it's it's amazing. Yeah, but you know, with, with Paul Nashi, he always plays kind of that brooding, like you know, beast of a character, and then you know he plays the villain and plays the good guy, and it's like you know, but he also like kills himself off a lot too, which I always find intriguing. Like in in the movies, like he'll kill off one of the characters. Usually they come back, but you know, still, it's a, I don't know. He's very much involved, and I, I think. That's where um, growing up and, and, and watching the films and learning more about film and everything else, uh, you know, you can really feel the passion behind it. You know, um, it's not more or less pretentious like a lot of these people do now, but it's um, you can tell like he really cared. It's not like, oh, no one else can do this but me. He was just so involved with his projects. Um, and I really admire that about him. Yeah, I, I love I love John Cusack. Sincerity. <laughs> it's too late. It's, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I I know what you mean. Like you just you just watch him and you, you're immediately drawn to it. And um, even though it's completely off the wall, um, you know, comparison, it, it feel this is the reason why I like shot on video films is because you can feel the passion and, you know, drive behind it very much like these Paul Nashi films. Like you could tell that he really cared. And, you know, even though he was dishing out countless movies like back to back, each one is crafted in such a sense other than Vengeance for the Zombies, but or Vengeance of the Zombies. Is it of? It would be yeah, of. Yeah. Vengeance of. of the Zombies. That That's yeah. That was his student film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it maybe he was like, maybe he was teaching during that time. I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. It's it's weird because the other ones are so Do you like that one, Stephanie? You haven't said anything. Okay. It um <laughs> I can't disagree with what's been said. But I, I really <laughs> That's totally fine. Maybe it's the eyeliner. I don't know. But there's um some wacky charminess about it. It's it has kind of a manic sloppiness about it that I kind of appreciate. Yeah. But I would say it's definitely 
the lesser title in the well, set. This is the one where the music is just totally off, right? It's just oh, God, kind yeah. of in all of them, in my opinion. But yeah, yeah that's like yeah, this is the most music. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's equivalent to like the metal that just comes in like in Phenomena. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's like it's right, so right, right, great right. though because it's like you know, you sit there and you're like man this is really awesome and you're like digging it and you're like why is this song playing though like I don't get it but it's yeah, cool though a guy like, got murdered I'm just bopping my head psychopath <laughs> it's great well yeah because it's just it's this disco fun stuff and kind of weird stuff when like something serious is possibly about to happen but it's just like boop, 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 boop. I don't know I can't do it. But uh, did you know he played the Wolfman? We're kind of going all over the place with Nashi here, but we really want you guys to discover these films on your own. Um, but he's played the Wolfman character 12 times. And yeah, yeah I we, believe we, we said Lee, that. Did you? Uh, I must have yeah. spaced off for a second. Because Lon, okay. Lon Chaney only did it for like five Wolfman films. Yeah, he's he's and he plays the same character. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's 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 and they're no relation to one another. They're not sequels or anything. But he, I don't know. He just like got stuck. He he created that character and then he stuck with it for quite some time. Sorry, sorry to repeat ourselves. I apologize. No, it's okay. It's okay. I still love you. <laughs> kind of talking about his sincerity, he has a natural charm. So I really can't speak to his acting in his original language, unfortunately, but. I think the charm comes through in whatever language. And there is a part of that. He reminds me so much of John Belushi. Like in his oh, looks. I could see that. Yeah. I could totally Some see of- that. And my dad. <laughs> yes. Brad Stan, John Belushi. I love this guy. <laughs> And then one thing I, I text Stephanie the other day, uh, was, I was rewatching Blue Eyes of the Broken Doll, and they totally ripped off the music from Young Girls of Rochefort. Like, I'm watching it, and I'm listening, I was like, where is this fucking song from? And, like, I'm listening, I'm listening, I was like, oh, yeah! And, like, I, I pull it up uh, on Spotify, and I listen to it, and I was like, you gotta be kidding me! <laughs> Like, it's so, like, I mean, it's not the same song. It's just that, you know, they hit the same exact notes. I think they, it's almost like when Vanilla Ice explains how he didn't rip off Under Pressure. <laughs> when he says it, theirs is ding, 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 da ding, ding. And ours is ding, 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 da ding, ding. <laughs> like, it's equivalent to that. <laughs> like, it's like they're missing one note, so it's not the same. But uh, I thought that was pretty interesting, you know, because I thought only Italians uh, did that. But uh, apparently, you know, if you dig deep enough in some, you know, Spanish or they're they're lifting some French um, musicals <laughs> to, to make to make their pseudo giallo, um, you know, but Blue Eyes of the Broken Doll, you know, I rewatched it because it was one of the films that I, I I wasn't that familiar with on, on this set. I think that I've seen it. I can't really remember. I didn't remember anything about it, so it must have. Uh, and I rewatched it, and I was like, okay, it's it's kind of you know pretty much forgettable. I think uh, of the set, um, even though I think Vengeance is the worst film in the set. Um, I can remember a lot about it because it's so wacky and silly. But Blue Eyes of the Broken Doll just seems a little dull, and. Um, 
that's one of the reasons why I rewatched it. But uh, it didn't grab me. Like it felt, you know, and I see what you're saying about it, Sean. It just felt like it was trying to be too many things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it just didn't really stay on track, it seems. But I, I could be alone in that. It just it just didn't grab me like some of the other films or as memorable as something like Vengeance. So so you liked how Human Beast was all over the place, but it didn't quite work for Blue Eyes for you. No, yeah, I, I think I think with Human Beast, like it, it stays on track, though, when it wants to like I like the turn of events like it, it's um, we could say that. Blue Eyes of the Broken Doll is very much what was that film that we just talked about, Sean, with uh, Vinegar Syndrome? That is like a pseudo comp where he tries to drown the woman in the pool. Oh, uh, um, um, shit! I'm God just drawing. Damn God damn it! Hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm drawing thinking. a fucking. He tries to drown the woman in the pool, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm thinking. He's uh, always like has the double paraplegic exposure. double exposure. Yeah, double exposure. Like, <sighs> good lord. Like with those films, they're so mixed in. Like they're a comedy at one second, they're an action movie, you know, at one point. Like they can just never focus on something. Human Beast, at least, like it starts off, like, you know, with Sean, he noticed like some, you know, some Yakuza elements. It's very much like a Euro crime movie. And then once he actually gets injured and he gets taken in, it turns into this like weird, like, uh, you know, Stockholm. Not Stockholm Syndrome, like that per se, but, you know, kind of this weird obsession horror thing. And then it kind of goes back to, like, kind of like how a Euro crime movie would end. Like, it stays on track during those moments. Something with Blue Eyes of the Broken Doll, it seems that at while the film's moving, they can't really stay on track of one thing or another. Like, it jumps too much. Like, I could say Human Beast, like, for the first, like, 30 minutes is you know, a Euro crime movie, then it jumps into like this weird, like, you know, horror thing. And then it jumps back. Um, but it doesn't kind of deviate from the track that it's on blue eyes of the broken dolls all over the place. Kind of like how I speak most of the time. <laughs> um, so th- I think that's the reason why I couldn't get into it. My one criticism of why I really couldn't get into it was he walks into like a bar or whatever, orders a sandwich and some wine Takes a sip of the wine, and then takes a. That's sandwich a big to go. fucking sandwich. But he takes <laughs> a and sandwich that's a big sandwich. And he leaves the that wine. That sandwich there. has more bread on it than anything <laughs> in the world. But that sandwich was served by Javier Bardem's mother. Oh shit! Here. Oh Here my god! Like, yeah. Deep dive into trivia. Yeah, that just, oh, oh, deep cuts with Stephanie Crawford. <laughs> Tune in, guys! It's coming up. <laughs> Not really. Um, wow, I, I did not know that. Or you just can't, you just, you you know. Is that why that dude's so big? You just get fed fed bread his whole entire life? (laughs) Like, mom, fix me a sandwich. It's like, just hands her like a big fucking loaf of bread. (laughs) But not even like a loaf, it's just those big fucking, what do they call those? Um, uh, like there's a specific name for them. And it's not like a loaf of bread. It's like a fucking bar of bread. Breadcast. Yes, thank you. You know, and just fucking eat those because when when Paul Nashley gets a sandwich, it's like, how are you supposed to eat that? Like he he like leaves the drink. You know, he takes the sandwich. I was like, you're supposed to dip that sandwich in liquid to like fucking soften that shit up. 
And you know that bread ain't super soft. It's no. been out for a few hours. Like a yes. French dip. So yeah. Pilar Bardem is like, Stephanie's not bullshitting us. Why would I, I lie about that? I don't know. That? <laughs> I just such a deep cut. I was like, I need to research this. That's ridiculous. No, I believe anything this girl says, man. She's fucking <laughs> on fire shit. when she knows this shit. Mother of Carlos Bardem, Monica Bardem, and Javier Bardem. Holy mother of God. That's amazing. Is she like an actress though? Like she was in that just yeah, mostly films? soap operas. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. That's ridiculous. That's, I still don't like this movie anymore, though. So <laughs> Bardem really couldn't say it. Wood chopping. Uh, oh man, some there is good like shirtless wood chopping. That's all I got. But he is all about himself, though. In that one shot. Yeah. <laughs> where the cameras just does that angle and he just like puts the hatchet down and puts his hands on his hips. And I was like, dad. <laughs> and then, you know, he just ends up being Paul Nashy doing Paul Nashy stuff. But, um, yeah, he's, he, he's great. But it, 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 at, at moments, you know, he really does focus on himself. I think if Paul Nashy existed today, and was doing this, we would probably be laughing about it. But I, I don't know. At, at a certain time, you know, uh, you're able to get away with a lot more from back in the day. Um, but he's he's really funny in situations like that because he really does focus on himself. And I love certain scenes, um, like in in um, uh, Horizons from the Tomb. It's just like. I almost say whore rises from the grave each time, um, but whore, whore rises from the tomb. Like just when he's doing his own thing and kind of like that floating laughing head that he's doing yeah. uh, and has the scenes with himself. Like it's just, and that's what makes these movies um, kind of so special though. Cause he's really, really enjoying it. And I think, I think when I think that's with any movie though, with, with a lot of us, is if we notice like people are having a good time, it um, I don't know. There's something that it attaches to the movie. Like you, you're part of it. You know, you're part of being friends with them. You're part of the gang. Um, and I think it's kind of like what are these Paul Nashy films turn out to be? What uh, what are they releasing in this next set? We know off the top of our heads the Paul Nashy two. Um, um, Hunchback of the Morgue. Yeah. Werewolf and the Yeti. Oh, the Devil's and the Possessed. Yeti. <laughs> Someone was talking about um, Werewolf and the Yeti, and I was like, I need, that's something that I think I need to see. Uh, Dragonfly doing? for each corpse. Very nice. Anything? And Exorcism. Or Exorcismo, which is better, in my opinion. <laughs> Well, the so devil's, like we got some devil's possessed. Um, I was hoping for uh, curse. I'm sure that will be in three curse of the devil and werewolf um, shadow. Cause I have that DVD um, as well. He uh, really wants to sell it everybody. So just <laughs> buy both these sets. We want a third one. The artwork on the second set is a bit goofy though. Do you guys agree to that? I mean, he looks, I, have, like, I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> It looks a little bit like, you know, maybe a 15-year-old got a hold of the watercolors and a little bit. Maybe a little Ringo star. 
Yeah, he lo- yeah. Oh my yeah. god, yeah. It doesn't look I, like Paul Nash in that picture. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Something's because his first one is like really well done. And uh the second one, like he's there's something's off with that with that. I don't know. It's like when like uh there's a story of somebody was like trying to restore like some old religious paintings, um, frescoes or whatever. I don't know when you paint on plaster, right? They used to do that back in the, back in the day. And somebody accidentally like washed off this portrait of Jesus on accident, like someone who worked there. And they like, this was like a, you know, few hundred year old painting or whatever. And he tried to like repaint it and it looks awful. That's what it looks like. What somebody did. It's kind of like when uh, Mr. Bean collection too. Mr. Bean movie when <laughs> yeah. he sneezes on like the Mona Lee or uh, yes. <laughs> is it Whistler's Whistler's mother? Is it yes. that he sneezes on? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. totally looks like that. Mr. Mr. Bean did. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Bean <laughs> cover. <laughs> they did. It uh-huh. doesn't look right. They, and they, and on the, and they were like looking at a Ringo star. I need to find someone who looks kind of like Paul Nashy. Oh, Ringo star. Uh, they okay. should just ask yeah. me for my dad. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I'm excited for this. So, uh, the, this second circulate those sure. pictures, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We need, we need to wrap up. Uh, Brad is, uh, Brad's, Brad's up late. So we got to start wrapping up with this one. One in the morning here, guys. Oh. Yeah, I know. I know. All right. Um, any final words on Paul Nashi other than like, I really think this set is going to introduce a lot of people to him and his movies. And, uh, I, I'm hoping, you know, we see a little bit of Nashi, uh, resurgence and more people can oh. get Nashi. Mm, there you go. I was mm. waiting for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping. Oh, go ahead. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, just for the people who maybe aren't familiar and they'll look at the cover and maybe think, well, I don't like period horror films or uh, just so you know, there are contemporary ones. Um, Human Beast is batshit in my opinion. It's a lot of fun. Um, I think it's a great set. It kind of jumps all over the place. I think pretty much everyone will find something to enjoy. So. Yeah. Don't judge either a book by the cover. I, well, yeah, I, I thought it was going to be all kind of period, you know, horror like Hammer, you know, but um, yeah, but it's it's not, and, you, and that's the thing. Even the second collection, they just they're kind of keeping that motif, but there's a lot more to these films. Even if they start a certain way, like most most of these, they would start in a certain period, but then they would get modern, you know, for the seventies, right? right? But, um, and he's shirtless wearing jeans. Yeah. Brad, any final words on Paul Nashy? Um, no. I'm just happy that the set's out. And, you know, it's, uh, I, I hope that we get some of the titles that were pretty rare over here. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know a lot of them hit DVD, um, with, uh, Victory Films. Um, but I'm hoping that we, uh, you know, they dive deep and this is kind of a continuation thing with the kind of how the Vincent Price collections going over at Screen Factory. I hope that we kind of get a couple other uh, Paul Nashy uh, uh, sets. Oh, so. yeah. Oh, yeah. Here, yeah. here. All right. 
Um, I want to thank, uh, we got a new sponsor I need to mention real quick. Um, when we, and I, we need, I need to talk about our pin for, for Dustin Pace 2, but this kind of leads into it. When we were starting to sell this pin to raise money, uh, for Dustin Pace's wife, Tiffany, um, people were concerned about our shop and saying that, hey, you know, your website's not secure. So I was like, oh shit, you're right, you know, and that, needs to happen with the store and everything. So, uh, I have, uh, a neighbor who runs a WordPress support and maintenance kind of company. So they're sponsoring our site. They're called maintain M A I N T A I N N. So there's a banner at the bottom of the page. If you're someone who hosts websites and you need someone to kind of help secure your site, make sure it's all up and running all the time. Cause I know we, I have dream hosts and they kind of do that, but they're kind of, it's kind of a pain in the pain in the ass. If you have to, uh, try to get someone to help you, these guys are always making sure your site's running all the time. They're always doing backups or making sure that even if your site is down, like they'll work for you to kind of get a backup up. Um, so anyway, if you want to check out more, there's a banner at the bottom of the page. Just scroll all the way down. You'll see it. Click on it. Check it out. If you are someone who maintains websites, um, they saved me a huge amount of headaches when we were starting to kind of roll out, um, when I was trying to revamp the site and the, the shop part of it, the store. So need to give them a shout out, but also, yeah, we are trying to raise money for Dustin Pace's wife. As I mentioned on the show last time before the show started, a friend of the show, he's done some artist artwork for us as well. Uh, passed away and we would really like to help his family. There's a GoFundMe set up and, uh, there's links all, all over the place for that GoFundMe. It's on this, on the page for the pin. He was designing a pin for us based off Pumpkinhead and, uh, we hadn't pulled the trigger on it yet. We were trying to wait until we had sold through some of our other pins before we'd pull the trigger, pull the trigger on the, the pin that Dustin designed for us. Um, unfortunately he, he passed away before we can do that. So we do have the pin he designed. All the money, all of it is going to his wife, Tiffany. And if you'd like to help out with that, um, it's 10 bucks. You can go to our site at thescreamcast.com, click on the store, and you'll, you'll be able to find it right there. If you can order, if you're in the U.S. through the site, if you're overseas, international, just hit us up. Go to our, there's a link directly to our email. Drop us a line. We can do a, uh, a quote for you and send you like a little invoice and do it that way. So you're not completely left out of the loop. We just had some issues when we were trying to ship out international when we first did these pins that kind of created a huge headache for us and we couldn't really automate it. So we had to do it that way. So if you'd like to help out, uh, please consider buying the pumpkin duddy pin. Or just go to their GoFundMe. Um, there's a link in, uh, there's a link in the, all the information for the pin directly to the GoFundMe. We'd really like to help them out. And, uh, he was a really good guy and a really great friend of the show. So it's, uh, please help out if you can. Um, moving on to other sponsors, go to screamcast.com slash sponsors. You'll find them all there. Coffee shop of horrors. Of course, if you use the code screamcast, when you check out, you get 10% off of your order. Grindhousevideo.com. If you're a $5 and up patron, they will be supplying some giveaways for us each month. So, um, please check out all their 
movies over at grindhousevideo.com. Um, I always like to check them first when, whenever we have any anything. And uh, we want to thank Wolfman of Mars for providing the music and Kevin Spencer and inkspatters.com for designing our logo. And that's it for the sponsors. Brad, do you have anything Damn, else? Damn, you were almost flawless that entire time. <laughs> that was beautiful. I'm trying. Uh, but, you know, support our sponsors, but right now all of our attention is on getting this money raised for Dustin Pace, for, for Tiffany, and their family cover some of the funeral costs and stuff like that. So that's the number one thing. Please, um, please be generous and and we'd like. I would love to have all these pins pre-sold before they come in. I would like them to come in, send them out to everybody, and I would like to get that money as fast as I can. Uh, well, over to Tiffany. Um, so. I, I'll be getting them probably here in the next week or so. Okay. Oh wow! But I I do know. Um, you know, I wanted to thank GLP. Uh, yes, for yes, helping yes. us out because they did. Uh, I told them the story of what happened, and they did uh, basically dropped everything, did a rush order, and I mean, really helped us out with the cost of the pins because uh, bulk of pins ain't cheap. Yeah. Um, but they they did everything they could in order to lower the cost for us, so more money can go towards the family, which is uh, greatly appreciated. But I will have the pins. So I know we have a lot of listeners in Austin, and I'll be there at Fantastic Fest, uh, and you'll be able to pick the pins for me. Um, we could do it that way too. Cool. Um, so I, I think because a lot of international people will be there too. Okay. So I know that uh, Kevin, um, uh, he he wants he wants one. He he lives in uh, Scotland, but because um, I think that's <laughs> it's like we mailed the package to Scotland it was like fucking eighteen dollars or some <laughs> shit. That's ridiculous. Oh. But um. Yeah, but uh, yeah, anybody that's international, it's going to be a fantastic quest. You can just drop me a line. I'll I'll save you a pin, and we can just do it that way. Awesome. All right. Very cool. Stephanie, thanks again for joining us. Yes, thank you so much for having me. And I pre-ordered my pin. They look amazing. So I'm really looking forward to that. Awesome. And thank you guys for doing that. Of course. Uh, Stephanie, where can people find you on on the internet? Um, just scrawfish on Twitter and I'll pretty much do it. Very nice. All right. And, uh, me and Brad, you can find us, uh, all of our, all of our infos over at the screamcast.com. All of our social media links are there. You can find our personal links through that. I want to thank all of you guys for listening and we'll talk to you next time. Yay. Bye. <laughs> oh, don't tell me you're leaving. But it's just begun.